The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with April J. Ford. April has faced adversity in her life, such as childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and a single parent at 32. Through all of her challenges, she has managed to rise above them and conquer her life. She'll help you to do the same. Now, here is your host, April Ford. Welcome, I'm April Joy Ford, the voice of You're Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. Our episode today is on the four purposes of life with my returning guest, Dan Millman. And before I bring him on, let's say hello to our listeners out there that are always loyal listening to us all over the globe. I'll just name a few regions and countries out there. Of course, starting in the United States, we've also got Israel, Korea, Canada, Germany, France, Australia, Turkey, Thailand, Spain, India, and Hong Kong, just to name a few regions out there. Have you ever felt alone trying to conquer life's challenges? I offer this show as an example for people who may feel alone during adversity, that they are not alone, and that there is hope. Your journey called life is filled with happiness, success, fulfillment, and even disappointments and adversities. And I'm here to say that there's golden blessings to be discovered even when life throws you that curveball and you can still experience joy. I created a formula in four steps on how to have a roadmap and blueprint to rise above these challenges, and they are recognize, respond, reevaluate, and rebalance. I believe on taking a holistic approach when implementing the four steps, so this show will bring on expert guests to help create a blueprint to find the powerful you that's been hiding beneath the surface as you rise above life's challenges so you can discover who you're truly meant to be. So our returning guest, Dan Millman, is the author of 16 books published in 29 languages. His best-known work, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, was adapted to film and released by Universal Pictures in 2007. Dan's seminars and trainings have influenced people from all walks of life, including leaders in the field of health, psychology, education, business, politics, sports, and the arts, and more. So today we're going to be diving into his work on the four purposes of life, and you can see that the praises from global experts and leaders and even celebrities on his work, just to name a few, such as Quincy Jones, Don Miguel Ruiz, Marion Williamson, Deepak Chopra, Elizabeth Lesser, and Tom Hartman. So let's welcome Dan Millman back to our show with You Are Not Alone. How are you, Dan? Hello, April Joy. So I get to experience Joy tonight. You get to experience Dan. I think I've got the better part of the deal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's nice to, to have you with us. You know, the last time that we spoke, I think you were working on the final trilogy of The Peaceful Warrior. What's what's the update on that? Well, I'm 
working hard on that same book. Uh, it's one of my most ambitious works, and I should it should be ready to go to a publisher, whoever that may be, in the next uh, month or so. So I'm really immersed in it. It's right on my computer screen, but I'm not looking at it at the moment. I'm focusing on my on our conversation. Nice, nice. So let's let's you know for our listeners out there, you know, it's been a couple months since we had you on the show, and I encourage our listeners to play the replay of that. The name of that segment is "Living on Purpose," you know, finding your life path. And today we're going to really dive into your other book, "The Four Purposes of Life," which we talked about in the other segment. Um, you know, as we talked about in the prior one, I think we, you know, set the stage and tone of really when people get to this stage in life, it's either one or two generally, not always, but generally when they're trying to search their meaning and fulfillment and purpose in life, they're either one, they're just bored and mundane with their everyday living or two, life you know, threw them a curveball or a challenge and now the path or the trajectory of, of where they're going and the direction has changed. So can you speak just a little bit more on that and when people get to this place in their life, what are they really seeking? Well, I think this is timely, uh, April, because the four purposes of life is written especially for people going through a transition, a uh, disappointment, a change, a dislocation in their life, someone graduating from school, retiring, or again, going through a change in relationship or health or anything else, because it refocuses on a, uh, us on what is going on here. What's the bigger picture? Um, so that's really why I wrote the four purposes of life. Uh, it struck me some time ago, uh, several basic shifts in my life. First of all, I was so much into self-improvement as a young man, memory courses, speed reading courses, learning to juggle and all these things just to improve myself, gymnastics. But then I realized no matter how much I improved myself, only one person benefited. But if I could somehow reach out to other people uh, and influence them in a positive way, if there were a way to do that, that would make my life more meaningful. And that's when I began my career in writing and in speaking. So I asked myself, what are the important topics central to our lives? Because we may think what we're looking for is happiness, but I think... Mm -hmm. Even deeper, we're looking for a sense of meaning, purpose, connection with ourselves, with others, and with, with the transcendent or spirit. Um, and so I've written a number of books on the topic of purpose. One is called Living on Purpose. One is called The Life You Were Born to Live, the big book. Uh, and the one that puts them all into context and puts the pieces of the puzzle together is this little book, 150 pages, quick read, but packed with um, stuff. And that is the four purposes of life. And so even the first purpose, learning life's lessons, actually deals very much with uh, a new perspective on uh, adversities. Uh, I go into what, what is voluntary adversity? Do we actually volunteer for it uh, with good reason and with good benefits? Yes, we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, for example. Oh, we do. <laughs> well, well all the adversities that I face in my life, I wouldn't say I wanted to volunteer for them. Can you explain that? Sure. You know, I, I, uh, as anybody who's seen the Peaceful Warrior movie or read my first book knows I shattered my right uh, leg in a motorcycle crash when I was uh, a young man. And I probably wouldn't be speaking with you now. I might not have written the books I did had that not happened. 
Uh, I do not recommend fractures as a method of personal or spiritual growth. (laughs) There must be easier ways. So those kinds of adversities, life brings us challenges every day in relationships, money, you know, career decisions. Um, Life is a form of spiritual weight training. If we don't lift any weights, we don't get any stronger. We don't have to pretend to like it. But I've never seen anybody who's faced adversity and I know you have as well, and we all have in our different ways. Um, everyone who's experienced physical, emotional, or mental pain knows as they look back that they're a little bit stronger, a little bit wiser, and maybe even more compassionate for having gone through that. So again, we don't have to look for that, but it's good to keep that thread of attention that there are hidden gifts of any adversity. And the thing is... Um, When I say voluntary adversity, anybody who's done sports has done a form of voluntary adversity. Doing sports and training in sports or learning a musical instrument or learning a new language, these are more difficult than everyday life. Life is easier if we don't take on those things. So nobody makes us do them. We, they are voluntary in that sense. We go and participate and learn and submit ourselves to the cycles and frustrations of learning. So it's voluntary, but it is a form of adversity. It's an extra challenge we're taking on. Anyone who's maintained an intimate relationship for more than, say, two months, voluntary adversity. Now, people that laugh at that when I say it often, they go, oh, that seems cynical. I mean, my wife, Joy, and I, she's my guardian angel. We've been married 40 years, um, and she's my, my editor-in-chief in life, uh, sometimes my biggest critic, and also my guardian angel, as I said. Um, we have a great relationship. We're dear friends, as well as mates and spouses. But sometimes, you know, you have to compromise your bump heads. Anybody who's been married knows that. So, again, marriage is harder than being single in many ways. Um, Raising children, voluntary adversity. Love my daughters dearly, my grandkids, but any parent knows it's not easy. So business, anybody who goes into the world of business, that's another form of voluntary adversity. So that's what I mean by how we volunteer intuitively. And we, looking back on those things, we are stronger, better people for having taken on these wonderful challenges in life. Right. And, and just to echo on the fact on um, when you said during, you know, the process of transition or a change in your life, whether it's your personal life, your career or whatever challenge you're, you're you know, having to refocus on, I, I basically see it as, you know, a reset, you know, life is giving you an opportunity to reset the priorities in your life and really prioritize how you're going to navigate to move forward. So with your, your first purpose of learning life's lessons, what are we really here to learn? Well, you know, there's a saying, God um, um, comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable. Um, Sometimes we turn to spirit when our foundations are shaking only to discover it's spirit who's shaking them. And again, it's again, that idea of spiritual weight training, Uh, the idea it's tied in with the idea that each of us is a peaceful warrior in training because we're all seeking to live with a peaceful heart. But there are times we need a warrior's spirit. You've discovered mm-hmm. that. I haven't. I think your listeners have as well. So in terms of learning life's lessons in that whole arena, it's not just the mundane, oh, yes, we're here to learn from our life experience. 
We all know that. I mean, anybody who's looked back on their, their life knows that they have more experience and more perspective than they did when they were 15, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's much more to it. In other words, I'm suggesting that, that the earth is a divine or perfect school and daily life is our classroom. Um, many of us have noticed that lessons repeat themselves until we learn them very patiently. And if we don't learn easy lessons, they tend to get a bit more dramatic. Many people can relate to that in their own life. So mm-hmm. when I say... Do you think it's the cool, same, though? Do you think it, it, it has to do with, you know, if we didn't learn the lesson before, it can come back in a situation or circumstance until we learn, we learn the same lesson? Well, again, it's not just my belief. I'm not trying to lay that belief on anybody. But if we look at our life, we might notice, oh, yeah, you know, I didn't learn it then. But then the next time it happened or the third time it happened, finally kind of sunk in. Uh, it's true in, in sport, in musical training. We don't just are, aren't one trial learners. You know, people who learn to shoot baskets in basketball don't just do it once and say, okay, I got it. And they go back and try again and try again and learn, see their mistakes and then correct. And that's how life works. It's, it's a beautiful uh, process, very patient process. So the idea that uh, life is a school, uh, what it implies is, for example, no one needs to read my books or to read anybody's books or to ever attend a seminar in order to evolve as a human being. People were evolving before books and seminars. In fact, mm-hmm. daily life is guaranteed to teach us everything we need eventually in order to evolve and grow as a human being. If we look back on our lives, we'll see how we've done that and we'll continue to do so. So uh, this is a great appreciation for the purpose of everyday life. If we wonder, am I just spinning my wheels going through the motions day after day? No, we're actually learning. And now you might ask, well, Dan, if you say no one needs to read a book or attend a seminar to evolve and learn, if daily life is going to teach us anyway, why do you write books, Dan, and why do you teach seminars? Well, I do that because a good book or seminar, any reminder can help people, can give them lenses or a light in the darkness to learn the lessons of everyday life with more grace, less pain, learn them a little more easily. And that's why I do the work I do. But we can trust daily life to give us what we need. But most people don't notice that. We just figure we're victims of daily life. And obviously, sometimes we are victims. There are people who are not very nice out there. And sometimes we literally are victimized. It can happen. People can get robbed or beaten or other things, too. But it's our choice, of course, how we respond to that. Um, in fact, right. Customato, a boxing coach, once said, heroes and cowards experience the same fear. They just respond differently. Right. And I, and I like how you clarified on the fact that nobody really needs to um, read any more books or go to seminars um, to figure out their life. It's really merely to intended for the purpose of enhancing or clarifying, you know, for your greater knowledge as a reference point and a guide, like you said, like a flashlight um, through your path, you know, to, to yes. make your path a little bit more manageable as you navigate your path. Right. But even, you know, I would define faith, F-A-I-T-H. The word faith to me is not about believing something or having to believe a certain a particular idea. Faith is the courage to live as if everything that happens is for our highest good and learning. 
ultimately. Mm-hmm. In other words, it, we don't have to like it, and it, does, may not, it may seem really terrible. But if we look back on our lives, we can see how that can shake us up. And I'm pointing up right now, mm-hmm. where we start mm-hmm. asking bigger questions. I didn't welcome a shattered leg. You probably haven't, didn't welcome no. what happened to you. But right. when we do look back on it, hmm, it really, uh, as you say, reboots us in a way that brings us, Molds uh, us. into that peaceful warrior space. Right. Okay, let's go ahead and take our next, um, our first break. And when we come back, I have one more question for Dan as it correlates to some of you guys out there who might be, you know, just starting on your path of self-discovery, trying to figure out your purpose and how this all correlates to your career or your, your calling. So more with Dan when we come back from our break. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Has life ever thrown you a curveball called challenges? Or maybe even a boulder called adversity? You are not alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with Grace, Gratitude, Love, and Joy is about finding the gold in life's challenges. April J. Ford shares how tragedies from her past taught her the alchemy of adversity. Who we are inside and the way we handle the challenges we face is how we transition and transform into who we are truly meant to be. Pick up your copy today at www.feeljoyagain.com or by clicking on the link on the You Are Not Alone show page. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to You Are Not Alone. To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. Welcome back. Our episode today is The Four Purposes of Life with my returning guest, Dan Millman. You guys might have um, heard of his name, of course, online and in the media, as well as the movie, The Peaceful Warrior. And today we're talking about his book, The Four Purposes of Life. So, Dan, and before we took a break, we were talking about the first purpose, and that's really learning life's lessons, as you described it as, you know, being here on Earth. It's kind of like being on on you know school earth school so if we are supposed to teach what we needed to learn most in our journey through life and i don't want the audience to get confused on 
you know, well, that's good for Dan and April because they're published authors and they're supposed to write, speak, and teach. But how is, you know, how is the rest of the audience supposed to relate to that, that we're really supposed to teach what we needed to learn the most? Does that give them a clue as to how it correlates to them of giving them a hint about their hidden calling? No, I haven't done any really solid research on that statement, so I'm, I'm not even positive it applies uh, universally, the idea that we teach what we need to learn. But if it's true, I must need to learn a lot, because after 16 books <laughs> on many topics, um, so yeah. teaching is a wonderful way to learn, of course, um, and, and I can say this about anyone. Um, we have this idea of leadership being people at the top corner office in these big buildings, CEOs and so on. But Albert Schweitzer once said, in influencing other people, example is not the main thing. It's the only thing. There's a story about Mahatma Gandhi, who uh, a mother brought her little boy to see Mahatma Gandhi. And she said, please, Mahatma, tell my son to stop eating white sugar. It's not good for him. And Gandhi turned to the boy and said, hmm, come back in two weeks. So they came back in two weeks and he turned right to the boy and said, don't eat so much white sugar. It's not good for you. And the mother thanked him and said, but why did you have us come back in two weeks? And he said, oh, Mm -hmm. two weeks ago, I was eating white sugar. (laughs) And so, again, he was trying to live his teaching. Um, So each one of us influences other people, whether we know it or not. We lead by example. People around Mm -hmm. us in our families. Uh, our friends, our peers, our workmates, they are watching us, whether or not we believe that. We often don't think we're important enough for people to pay attention to, but we can raise the bar or lower it based on our behavior, doing little things that can make a big difference, a kind word. So whether someone works in the top floor or the mailroom, they can show leadership in their family, among their peers. Everyone can do that. It's not a matter of status. Oh, this person's an author. This person's a teacher. Mm-hmm. We all teach. We all write. Right. We write emails, mm-hmm. you know, texts. We all communicate with people. It's, there's not that much of a difference. Okay. Okay, so let's segue into the second purpose. How do we determine what you distinguish a career versus a calling? Sure, and I think that's important. The second purpose in the four purposes is finding that career and calling. And many people are confused about the two. We hear sayings like, do what you love and the money will follow. It's a great, great, empowering, uh, encouraging idea, but it may not be true. Some people do what they love and the money doesn't follow. Because doing what we love is pursuing our calling whether it's a hobby, a sport, a craft, or called to the military or the clergy, whatever it is, there are higher callings and there are more everyday callings. So things we like, we don't even know why we like, but there's something about them that captures our imagination. So our calling may not have anything to do with money. It's just something we like to do or love to do, where career is about Making an income, it's such a basic thing to support ourselves and our family. Uh, People have been doing it since human beings were interacting, trading, bartering, and uh, producing an income using our energy, our talents, our time. So even if we enjoy our work, find it meaningful, still, if we weren't getting paid anything for it, we'd have to find something else. So that's what career is. It's the way we do. We use our talents, our interests, and our energy to produce an income. 
uh, finding work that makes good, what feels like good money to us, which is doing what we find suitable and serving other people. Those three things are all important. So mm-hmm. often we're searching, like, uh, like some people search for a soulmate, some people search for a soul job, that perfect job that makes them happy. But newsflash, our work doesn't really have to make us happy. It's, hopefully it's suitable, and hopefully we find some meaning in it. Um, what the other and our calling again is just what we love doing some people's career and calling are the same thing perhaps yours is I think mine is but it that's not necessarily better it's just one approach some people have a career they do functionally they're well trained for it they do it they make money and then they in their discretionary time they pursue um, they pursue their calling so It's important to know the difference because there are young artists, writers, musicians, and others, painters, who, you know, they don't want to sell out and they want to spend all their time practicing and they have very little little tolerance for, um, for just doing a job. Maybe they work as a barista in a coffee place. Maybe they work waiting tables, which is fine. Just something to bring in some money. So a day job can be a really good idea so they can get some independence and have an income for themselves and then practice their calling. And there are other people who are all into business and they don't justify anything that doesn't make money. And they may have abandoned a calling that could enrich their life. So that's Mm -hmm. why it's important to understand both these ideas and the key to the, the area of career and calling is self-knowledge. Because if we don't know ourselves well, and often young people in their 20s haven't had a chance to test themselves in life in terms of what are my interests? What are my talents? What are my, uh, my interests, talents, and values? What are they? The better we know that, the better decisions we make. If we don't know ourselves, we may make the the right choice for the wrong person, the one we thought we were. Mm -hmm. So I do have some guidelines in this, this section in the book and also in the third one, the third purpose, to get better knowledge of ourselves to make wiser decisions. Well, in in that section, I remember reading in your book when you're trying to figure out the the line or the parameters of career versus calling. I think you provided a practical exercise in there on what was it? Decision-making was it called the, maybe I'll have to look at time time travel with your subconscious mind. Exactly. Exactly. Um, It's a way to involve our imagination and our intuition and draw upon the subconscious mind, which is privy to certain information. Our conscious mind is not yet aware of. So I, I definitely believe in reason, the left, left hemisphere, the brain, logic, but we don't want to ignore half the brain. Um, and that is the part that we call intuition or um, more subtle information. And this, this exercise in making decisions uh, comes when we recognize that the left hemisphere of the brain, traditionally associated with logic and reason, isn't that great at making decisions. All it can do is weigh variables ups and downs, benefits and liabilities, and we can write down on a chart pros and cons and all that. But we've all had the experience of making a decision logically, but we wake up in the night or maybe early the next morning and we go, you know, I have a bad feeling about that. I would listen to that because that's, that's a message. 
Um, so this exercise called timelining or time travel allows us to make a more informed decision. It doesn't guarantee the perfect decision or certainty, but it really does make a much more informed, less tunnel vision in terms of making decisions. So yeah, right. that's in the section on knowing ourselves and our career and calling. Yeah. And when I um, speak and also coach my clients and program participants, I think we need to equip them with, I call it the decision-making or leadership skills, because a real leader will make a decision and stay committed to it. And this really means taking on the full risk and responsibility, even if they make a mistake during the process of being committed to their initial decision or maybe later on they realize it was a wrong decision to begin with, but they're able to admit it and learn from it. So I think a lot of people don't have that skill set on, okay, how do we decide? You know, what are the deciding factors? What process can we implement on a practical level? And I think that exercise that you recommended, the time travel with your subconscious mind, is a good, good one to start. It does lend perspective. Some of us try to make decisions too early. It's like in New York City here, you know, it's like walking down um, 7th Avenue uh, from one street to the next and trying to figure out and decide which foot I'm going to use to step off the curb when I'm only halfway down the block. We, once we get to the corner, it's easy to know what to do. So often we need to make decisions when we need to make them. And also, mm-hmm. often we think we make decisions up in our head. We really don't. Let me tell you a story. In in my little book, The Laws of Spirit, this ageless woman sage um, teaches me about the law of choices when we come to a fork in the road and she says, please decide which which path to take. And I look at them both carefully and I say, okay, I'm going to take this path, path A. This one looks more interesting to me. That's the way I'm going. She said, I appreciate your comment. Now, please make a choice. And I said, oh, maybe you didn't hear me. I'm going to take this path. And I pointed to it. And she said, yes, I'm waiting for your decision. And I said, I, I don't understand. And I was getting frustrated. So I just started walking. And that's when mm-hmm, she said, mm-hmm. thank you. Thank you for deciding. We, we don't make decisions in our heads. We make decisions when we finally act. And it, Do it, as, right. As pointed out, mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, April, if we go up one path uh, and we, it turns out not to be the one we want to do, pursue, we can go back and then take the other one. It's rare mm-hmm. that a choice is absolutely irrevocable. And we learn from it. Right. And I think I remember highlighting that in your book. It's want to know what you've decided. Just observe what you do. It's like, okay, what did you really decide on? Because your actions will reflect that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and take our break. And I know the uh, we'll get into the third purpose of discovering your life path. I know we talked about that in our previous segment and got a lot of feedback from our listeners and our audience that that was really fun when we talked about the hidden calling and the path. Um, so more with Dan when we come back and he'll share a little bit more on the four purposes from his book. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Joy's Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph, from loss or sexual abuse. Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self-mastery of independence. Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, peace, and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org. Life is a journey which never gets easier. As we go through life, we just handle things better as we get to know ourselves. Listen for the Mental Sherpa by Theta Spring. Host Alexandra Janelli believes that each of us are pre-programmed with all the answers and tools we need to move through any situation life throws at us. It's discovering those tools and answers that will set us on the right path to enjoying and navigating life. Listen every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. We're all living in the moment, but you never know when life is going to take a unique turn. It doesn't have to be a challenge, but perhaps more of a detour to get where we need to be. On The Sky's the Limit, host Karen Levitt knows that experience, having faced it herself. Learn about her journey from a life-changing event to where she is now. Her guests are amazing people who are living these experiences and overcoming obstacles. Learn from their stories every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com tuned into you are not alone to reach april j ford or her guest on today's program you may call in to 1-888-346-9141 again that's 1-888-346-9141 if you'd rather send april an email her email address is april j ford at joys now back to you are not alone how to rise above life's challenges Welcome back. We've been speaking with Dan Millman, author of The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, as well as The Four Purposes of Life, Finding Meaning and Direction in a Changing World. In our previous segments, we talked about the first two purposes, and that's learning life's lessons here, um, as he described as earth school, and then really distinguishing the second phase or finding your career and calling and knowing the difference between the two. So the third purpose is discovering your life path. And I've got your book here, um, Dan, and I'm going to read a little um, quote that you had where you said, the extent to which you fulfill your hidden calling depends on how you respond to the challenges you meet along the way. So tell us about the third purpose of life, discovering our life path. It's the most mysterious purpose, April. Um, it's There's no simple way to explain how working with the, the, your date of birth could give valid, reliable, accurate information about core issues of your life and your life path. But I can say after working with it for almost 30 years and the response I've gotten from literally a million, over a million people who've read 
uh, my book on that topic, um, tells me that it is spot on. But no one has to believe me. In fact, I would invite your listeners to go to PeacefulWarrior.com. They will see a link on the left that says Life Purpose. If they click on that link, they will go to a life purpose calculator. All they have to do is put in their day, month, and year of birth, and they will immediately see a number. Now, the number won't mean too much to them, um, but they will see some words associated with each of those numbers and a paragraph or so, just a teaser, a taste that describes some core elements in their, on their own life path. And the life path is not career or calling. It's like a hidden calling. It's, it's about our inner drives to understand what drives us. How are we different from other people in some fundamental ways? And how are we alike with others? Um, as it turns out, there are 43 different life paths for people born since the year 1900. Now, if you divide 43 into the population of the planet, that's millions of people working each of those life paths. And I'm not saying that all those people are the same somehow. In fact, if I were to point to a tree outside, chances are there's not a single tree on the planet exactly like that tree. Each of us is unique in that way. But if I were to talk about a redwood tree, I could say some things that are different from birches or aspens or oaks. So in that sense, each of us has our own genetic heritage, our own life experience. We are not exactly like anyone, even if we're an identical twin. But there are patterns each of us is working that do apply. Some people work it more in the positive, some in the negative, in different points in their life, which accounts for individual differences and very different lives, even for people on the same life path. But that's how it works. And I, can t- I, I go into, in, in this particular book, The Four Purposes of Life, I go into who I met, which mentor influenced me, and how I came across this particular interpretation uh, that is used and a way of calculating uh, and working with the date of birth. But people can just look it up online and they can decide for themselves whether or not it's, it feels accurate and useful, even though it's just a okay. small sample. Yeah, I know if people were asking, is this like woo-woo stuff, like astrology, or how would you explain this to a person that's never been exposed to this before? Sure. It it seems woo-woo. If someone is a scientific materialist and everything has to be evidence-based, it is not a rational system in that can be explained in a way that makes sense to the rational mind. A friend of mine said, you know, Dan, it's not irrational, it's transrational. And I sort of like that approach, that description. Um, doctors don't, I don't think today even, uh, know all the active ingredients and how they work in aspirin. They know aspirin has some good effects, various kinds of effects, but they don't exactly know the mechanisms by which it works yet. So in the same way, I cannot give uh, a theory for how the date of birth can give that kind of information. And maybe the point is not to debate whether or not it's true, but whether it's useful. I believe it right. uh, provides an accurate, reliable, accessible lens for understanding ourselves with compassion. And also, it's quite interesting to look up um, our children or our parents or friends. We, right. we end up understanding them and the hurdles they're here to overcome and the mountains they're climbing in a much more compassionate way. Mm-hmm. And let's let's give our audience another live demo 
um, using me as an example, mine was three zero slash three because my birthday is on April April Fool's Day. So what does three zero slash three mean? Um, you know, when you well, enter your birthday on your your website and somebody gets these numbers, what do you what do you do with it? Sure. Once I have your birth date, um, and of course now people can just use a life purpose calculator. It's much easier, and they're not as likely to make uh, mistakes in addition. But once we come up with the birth number, when your case three zero slash three, the numbers indicate. Uh, well, let me just explain the context. Um, Carl Jung, for example, the noted psychoanalyst, talked about archetypes. So did um, Joseph Campbell. Archetypes are like the magician, the wizard, the wise old crone, the king, the warrior. All these are archetypes. In every culture, people understand. They have different words, different languages, but they understand these characters because they are in every culture, in the stories, the folklore, uh, in film, literature. Um, So... uh, Pythagoras, the ancient Greek who uh, founded geometry, also had a mystery school. And he was one of the first Westerners to ask, do numbers have meanings? Does the number one mean something within the human psyche different from two or three or four? Are they just numbers to add up? Or is there some deeper connection? And so he, in a way, was the founder of a mystery school, a, a school of numerology. Now, understand, I'm not I've never been particularly interested in numerology. Again, it didn't make much sense to me, so I I passed by it. But when I met this rather unusual mentor who did a reading for me, and it clarified my entire life, I couldn't believe he could know what he did about me. He barely met me, and I said, how can you know this? Are you a psychic? And he said, no, I'm not a psychic, but I've been trained to know where to look. And later he Mm -hmm. taught me the basics of this system. So... That's what I, just the numbers don't mean anything, 303, but when you come to the number three, it's very much about self-expression, uh, bringing feeling to other people. Um, it's a, a number of uh, someone who possesses great sensitivity, which can be in the positive or negative. You know, being overly sensitive can be a difficulty, but also it, that sensitivity can allow one to tune into other people and to work at a different level of intelligence. It's like a, an intuitive intelligence. With the mm-hmm. zero, that indicates potential spiritual gifts in terms of uh, a high level of intuition. I think you'd back that up, wouldn't you? Yes, yes, I completely agree. I mean, look at the line of yeah. work that I'm in now. I write, speak, and teach, and inspiring people how to overcome adversity and you know, mental, emotional, physical um, challenges. So, totally up my alley. And you also interview people, so in that way, you're bringing a great deal of expression into the world on different helpful topics. Um, so creative expression is one of the keys in terms of your life path. Um, and the big hurdle, everybody has hurdles to overcome. Um, there's no life path that's easier or better than any other. In your case, it's overcoming self-doubt. So I mean, anybody can have self-doubt at times, but it's a bigger hurdle for those um, dealing with a three or double three in their birth number. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so one of the functions, what you're here to do is learn to overcome that when it, when it appears. Right. And I think it has to do with being intuitive as well as um, emotionally in tune and sensitive to emotions. So, oh, yeah. so your mind and heart play a battle of who's right. Exactly. Well, as I said, that zero in your birth number, not everybody has a zero. 
some people are 2810 or a 3710 um, or 202, 303, 404. People with a zero in their birth number, um, they have capacities that anybody potentially could have, but in far greater uh, intensity or abundance. And that zero indicates um, a sense of spiritual discernment, being able to feel where the light is and uh, and go with that, a, a refined intuition. So, um, yeah, you definitely uh, have that potential. So what can people do, like you said, whether people believe in this this system or not, but really question and ask yourself, you know, is this useful? How can I use this? How can people yeah. use this once they figure out their number? Sure. Uh, again, just going to the Life Purpose Calculator. But there, there's also a Life Purpose app. If people like apps uh, for their Android phone or iPhone, they can just go to the store and get the Life Purpose app. It has all the information of my huge book, The Life You Were Born to Live, on every life path. It has the universal laws for each life path to help overcome the hurdles on that life path. It's not just about talking about ourselves saying, oh, I'm this and I'm that. It's what can mm-hmm. I do to overcome the hurdles that I'm given in my own life. Um, and to understand it wasn't, we didn't get it necessarily from our parents or from something that happened to us. We were born to address these issues. So it, it really does lend much clarity. At least it sure did in my life and, and many, many other people I've worked with. So, right. and do you think this is, ties into yeah. relating to maybe somebody seeking religion or spirituality in their in their life path and discovery? Well, it can apply to that. Not necessarily. Uh, anybody can be just. Um, on any life path at all, uh, some people are interested in personal growth, spiritual growth, religion. Others aren't, and it doesn't matter. Anyone can look at the information and see if it's useful to them. Uh, if self if self knowledge is useful, and if clarity about one's life is useful, then um, most people find it extremely beneficial. So they don't have to believe in it. I none of my work involves having to believe what I say. See, my responsibility is not to convince people of something. It's to be clear enough so they can agree or disagree um, right. based on understanding what I've said rather than on misunderstanding it. So my job is to be as clear as I can. And, and I remind people, the mind's like a parachute. It works best when it's open. So just to keep an open mind, <laughs> right. an agnostic position, they don't have to believe it. Just check it out and see if it's useful. Okay, right on. I completely agree. So let's move on to the fourth purpose, and that's attending to the arising moment. Now, how can we empower people who maybe they're going through a such tragedy or difficult situation or circumstance, and they really can't see the bigger picture on their life? And how do we get them to grasp the concept of the most important purpose of all, and that's really you know, this moment right now. It's a series of moments, but being in the moment. Yes. You know, even reading my little book, after going through learning life's lessons, the 12 courses in the school of life, we're here to pass in order to graduate, the school rules, which are universal laws, then getting into career and calling and all that involves, and then the life path. Coming to the fourth purpose and brings us down to earth right in front of us where we live, this moment. And we can always handle this moment. Somebody may not be clear on their cosmic purpose or this purpose or that, but we always know our purpose in the present moment. You and I know our purpose right now. We're speaking with one another. Mm 
Your listeners know their purpose. If they're driving, then it's focusing on the road and getting to where they're going safely and also listening to the uh, conversation. So in this moment, we all know our purpose. And it's not a matter of doing anything special. You know, the whole idea of mindfulness, it's become a very popular term. Mindfulness Mm -hmm. means three things. It means, one, paying attention. Two, to the present moment. And three, without judgment. If we do a meditation, then the mindfulness, the paying attention is to the internal content, passing and arising thoughts and emotions, for example. But most of the time, we're looking around, crossing streets, driving, doing things. So mindfulness can become a paying attention to this moment. But most of us are paying attention to past and future. We hardly live in this moment. And this is a great irony, I think, April, that we can only live in this present moment. It's the only moment of reality. Everything else is memory or imagination. You were saying? I really, really hope that people get to a place to experience this powerful moment. Like you said, it's really the most important purpose of all. It's whatever you're doing at this moment, whether you're listening to Dan and April speaking now, are you really focus and present at this moment, because let me just share, um, I think it's on page 132 in your book, and I'll make a comment on why I think this is really powerful. And you said, I realized I had treated one moment doing gymnastics as special and another moment as ordinary. Socrates, Socrates, and that was your your mentor in this book, uh, reminded me once again that there are no ordinary moments. This realization, this challenge lies at the very crux of your life and will determine the quality of your every moment. Can you, will you? Learn to love the present moment? Can you develop the capacity to show each arising moment the same attention that you might give to a cherished friend or a lover or at least to an online game? Will you wake up to that value of each passing moment as it slips like a grain of sand through the hourglass of of your remaining time here? To the extent that you pay attention to the moment, will you have fulfilled the promise of the fourth purpose of life. And when I highlighted this in your book, Dan, I put nothing else matters because I experienced that. And I, I hope that your readers and the listeners on the show really experience the power of what I call the nothing else matters moment. And I'll just share a personal quick story. Um, last year when I was dating this guy, we um, reconnected you know he was building his business I haven't seen or talked or heard from him it was nice to see him and it was almost like we had a lot of catching up to do you know how's life been kind of thing and with all with all the stuff that we were going through and wanted to just say and communicate I just stopped and I looked in his eyes and I said nothing else matters right now Besides us just being present and connecting, nothing had to do with, you know, what we had to say to each other or catching up or what were our plans for the upcoming weekend. Whatever it was, it was just being really present with that moment, you know, with that person. And I think it's really a powerful exchange of energy when you can really, it's almost like you're, you're putting pause on time. Like if you're in a time machine, you can really pause time. That's beautiful. Exactly. You know, it's uh, Barbara Rasp once wrote, the lesson is simple. The student is complicated. And Mark Twain, (laughs) (laughs) Mark Twain said, I've had many troubles in my life, most of which never happened. 
because most of our troubles are in the past or the future, and they simply aren't real. It's, it's not that they don't matter in the sense, in the sense that um, we have the human capacity to remember things, to have a memory uh, and store ideas and images from what we think happened in the past and to imagine our future. We can plan our day. We just don't want to get too attached to the plans because life has a way of changing. But when we're planning our day, we're doing it now in the present moment. When we're looking at a photograph that we took yesterday, we're looking at a photograph of something we call yesterday in this present moment, having that experience. So all that we've got is the present moment. When that becomes more real, then it becomes easier and easier and more natural. Many of us want to simplify our life, and the best way to simplify our life is to recognize we can't really do anything with quality more than one thing at a time. We can multitask, but we're splitting our attention into two or three. And if we just focus on, then the rest takes care of itself. If we want to change the past, the best way to change the past is to live well in the present because our present soon becomes the past. And our future will be based upon what we do now. So by coming back to this moment, this moment of reality, it not only simplifies our life, it not only quiets our mind because you can't think about anything in the present moment. You're just pure awareness. We've all experienced that. If we play a sport, if we play a musical instrument, if we've performed before people, we are immersed, absorbed in the present moment, what athletes call the zone. So, yes, but it takes time. We've developed bad habits, and the past and future seem more real to us sometimes than what's going on right in front of us. But if we want a sense of presence, then we come back. And I took great care in expressing all that in the fourth purpose of life. Now, in closing, Dan, what would you like our listeners to really take away from our segment today or direct them to your upcoming work? I know the trilogy for The Peaceful Warrior is coming out. How do we stay tuned with that? Uh, the easiest way, you know, people can look me up on Facebook. I have a fan page, uh, and I always share a couple of favorite quotes every week uh, and a few announcements with people, um, Twitter also. But the best way to reach me and, and to understand my work, if, if they're curious, is to go to PeacefulWarrior.com. Uh, and then they can look at the Life Purpose Calculator. I have some online courses in which people basically can choose what they want to pay. Um, and I have all my books listed there, described, and some video material, uh, and so on. So I invite people to drop by PeacefulWarrior.com. Alrighty, everyone, it's been a pleasure to bring Dan back on with us on You Are Not Alone. I'm April J. Ford. I share my story on this show so that others can share their stories and have their glory so that others don't have to experience the extremities of what I face but would be able to take the fruit of my adversities and prosper with it. I give my permission to allow people to borrow my belief and faith. I give my love and light so that others can illuminate theirs. I share my joys and blessings so that others can share theirs to let others know you are not alone. Make sure you go to feeljoyagain.com to receive your free weekly words of joy and more information on our upcoming community that we're building. Break through your barriers and you're not alone. So stay tuned for that and I'll see you guys next week. We 
appreciate your joining us this week, for you are not alone. Please tune in for another edition with host April J. Ford next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.